In this episode, remote FAT, airplanes and oil wells, and collaborative operations. Let me sit next to you. Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, please, 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 if you want to help support the show and our eight other oil and gas podcasts, just leave a review. It allows your peers to find the good shows. And at the same time, it lets us know what you think of what we're doing. So if you think the show is great, give us a five-star review. If you think it's not so great, go ahead and give us a one-star review and let me know what we need to change. And this show is sponsored by Nutanix. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are guys you want to talk to. I'm sitting here today with Chris Nonheimer. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing fantastic. Thanks so much, Mark. Yeah. And we, of course, are a little bit separated right now. I'm in Texas, and I believe you're a little bit north of me, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sitting in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois, because we're all locked down from this COVID-19 craziness. And Chris, you work for a little company I've known forever, which is called ABB. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you're the global head of digital energy industries at ABB. What does that mean? So yeah, thanks, Mark. What that means is I had a group at ABB today that focuses on providing software and software solutions for people and our customers in the energy industry segments. So we're looking at companies that are like power generation and water, upstream oil and gas, and downstream refining and petrochemicals. Yeah. And the thing that's cool is I've known ABB forever. And even though I've known you forever, I just always thought of y'all's process control company. And y'all are way more than that, aren't y'all? Yeah. So ABB has got a number of businesses that we're involved in, all the way from factory automation and robotics to motors and drives. And of course, our business, industrial automation. Yeah. And it's interesting. During this lockdown time, you and I were talking before we turned the microphone on. It's really interesting. There's a bunch of things that were not predicted that are happening. One of which is, we talked about this for a minute, is a lot of companies out there have never really tested their disaster recovery or business continuity processes and technologies and tools and everything. And now they have to test it, right? But they have to, they have to test it in the real world. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, to me, it's an incredible, incredible time, right? So, so many companies, businesses, municipalities are being tested for the first time just to even do simple things like work remotely, right? I was talking to a friend of mine who works for a local municipality and, you know, they said this was the first time that they had to have their staff work from home. And nobody had laptops. <laughs> I wow. mean, literally nobody had laptops, right? So they had saved costs. They had bought everybody a desktop. And, you know, as far as they were concerned, they were all set, right? They were making good fiscally responsible decisions. And now everybody's got to work remotely. And they said, well, we got to buy some laptops. Well, of course, everybody's buying laptops, so you can't get them, right? So they're really being challenged from that front for sure. So Yeah. And so, you know, that's actually a perfect example of how, when people have never been through anything before, it's hard to plan for it. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime event, the combination of the COVID-19 pandemic, the crash of the stock market, the crash of the price of oil and gas, and even the oil and gas industry. It's, it's the first time in my lifetime I've ever seen 
extremely low, if not negative, crude prices. At the same time, there's a decrease in demand because everybody's locked down at home and they're not flying or driving cars or buying soccer balls or lipstick. And so the oil and gas industry right now is really, really getting hit from both sides. But we're one of the industries where things like disaster recovery is not something that's trivial. It's super important, not only to keep our business running, but to keep our people safe. Right. No, you're exactly right. I mean, this is, you know, just to tag on to what you said, this is unprecedented, right? And like you, I hope this is a once in a lifetime type event. Like we were talking about again, before we we turned on the mic, I think this is going to be a challenge that's going to be with us for a little while. And it's not unlikely that this could happen again, right? It could happen again. And so I think it's important for us to look at some of the things, some of the systems, some of the processes, some of the interactions that we have today and say, okay, you know, given this scenario, given this, what could or would or can we do differently to react to this kind of situation? What kinds of things can we put in process and in place today that not only will help us address the situations that we have today, that will also help us become more effective and more efficient as a company in the future. So it's not just about this current crisis, but it's also about how can we take the things that we learn from this crisis and become better in the future? I love it. I'm going to back you up just a little bit. Yep. So let's say we're pre-COVID-19. Let's say we have a time machine. We're back to, say, <laughs> February of this year. Yep. And let's say one of your clients came to you and said, Chris, we really want to make sure our business continuity and our remote connectivity efforts are worth it, right? Kind of talk me through what are the steps? Where do you start and where do you want to end up? So again, so we always try to start with what the customer or what our customers are trying to do, right? That is fundamental, right? We need to understand what do they need? So when you say things like, you know, what do we need for business continuity or what do we need to do to try to achieve our goals? Our job, you know, as ABB, as employees of ABB, is to try to understand at a deep level, what really are the objectives of our customers? What are they trying to accomplish, right? So pre-COVID, you know, just again, thinking out loud, customer comes in and you know they buy a system from us and we need to do some sort of factory acceptance test on that system let's say right so we would meet that need we would allow the customer to come to our factory do the acceptance test and you know physically be present to see that piece of equipment yeah and so I'm going to back you up just a bit if people don't know what factory assurance testing or FAT is what yeah. is that yeah so a factory acceptance test or a factory assurance test sometimes it's called is a way for a customer to come out and see the product that they're buying and make sure, right, physically that it exists, first of all, and that it's tested to a level that they would accept for it to be then shipped to and installed on site, right? So they're confident that what they're getting actually works. Well, first it actually exists, then it actually works, and it'll function as they intended it to function when they bring it to site and install it in its final installation place. Yeah. So pre-COVID-19, the normal thing to do would be your clients would fly out to wherever this equipment is, yep. basically take it for a test drive to yep. make sure it meets their specs yep. and then fly out. Now let's fast forward to now in the middle of this COVID-19, y'all are still having to do factory assurance testing, yep. right? You can't have people fly out. So how are y'all dealing with that? Yeah. So it's, it's a great question, Mark, because you know we have some tools, right? Tools that we've used as a company to help understand and diagnose what our customers' challenges have been. So you can picture a tool like FaceTime, right? FaceTime is a very visual tool. You can take your smartphone, your tablet, 
you can go out into a situation and you can actually in real time show someone a video feed of what's going on. Now we have an equivalent product at ABB that's a little bit more industrialized. It's a little bit more tailored for the needs of the customers in our industry. But you know, we've actually taken that product and flipped it on its head and we're actually using it now to transmit images to our customers so that they can be present on site during something like a factory assurance test or a factory acceptance test. So what's interesting for me is that, you know, one of the companies I used to work for, we had this phrase that was used quite often. It was that you you need to eat your own dog food, right? You need to consume what you produce. And the fantastic part about this is with this particular application, right? We've got a, a great example of not only providing this capability for our customers, right, so that they can use it so we can have our service personnel virtually on site with them, but also using it ourselves so that our customers can be virtually on site with us. So to me, that's a really fantastic example of how tools like this can be used for both our customers' benefit and for our benefit. So basically how these tools can be used for mutual benefit. Yeah, that is that's really cool because your client is now getting the same benefits if they would have flown out there in person, but they're able to stay safe and locked down wherever they are. Now, you and I talked about this before the microphone, and we're going to get off on a tangent, but it's okay because this is my show. <laughs> but one of the things I've noticed about what's going on now is you're driving changes in culture, which is always the hardest thing to change. Yep. So before, the normal cultural thing to do was to jump on an airplane and fly out to your facility. Now, because you can't, the culture has changed and people are totally fine with doing this remote, right? Right. Do you think that's going to stick, Chris, after this is all over? So I absolutely think it's going to stick. And here's why, right? So, you know, we had talked about before I had the opportunity to visit some customers and, and we had some conversations in and around digital transformation, right? A lot of people up until this point had been talking about digital transformation. And what does that mean for my company? What does, you know, how are we going to work with data? How are we going to better analyze data? And so we were having this conversation with a customer and we were talking about how we saw the value of digital transformation. And they said, you know, Chris, we're going to have to ask you to stop right there. So here's our challenge today. He said, we believe that we can organize the data, right? That we can move data from point A to point B, that we can organize that data, that we can do it in a secure manner. We believe that that's possible and we believe that you as ABB can do that, right? We have confidence in that. Secondly, you know, we believe that you can actually do something with that data once you have it, once you've put it in context, once you've, you know, tied all kinds of different systems together and put that data for a specific asset in context. We believe that you can you know, analyze that data, that you can look at it, that you can find out insights. But here's the biggest challenge we have, Chris. Here's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge we have is actually the cultural change required to do something and to act on that data, right? And it starts so much with people actually trusting, right, that that data is true or trusting that that information is accurate. Because like we were talking about this earlier, right? Someone may have been doing something the same way for the last 20 years, right? And now some computer program, right? Some non-existent entity has told them that they've been doing it wrong, <laughs> right? And you have to actually go in and convince them and help them change their behavior because maybe they have been doing it wrong for 20 years and maybe it'll save them a whole heck of a lot of time because they don't have to maintain a certain asset they don't have to go through a process and procedure that they've always felt like they've had to do. 
And now they can actually spend more time doing other things that have more value, right? To me, the perfect analogy is the oil change monitor on your car, right? We've been told so much of our life, right? That you change the oil every 3,000 miles, right? That is the time. You change it every 3,000 miles. And so now, you know, I've got a relatively new car, right? A car from 2014. So I consider that new. And in my stable, that's a new car. <laughs> and the car actually tells me, right? Based on how I drive the car, if the oil needs to be changed. And I look at it and I go, okay, we're getting close to 5,000 miles here. And it still says I've got 20% oil life left. I'm getting a little nervous, <laughs> right? This is not my normal behavior. But I saved myself, you know, a $30 or $40 oil change, right? And again, the numbers are not necessarily the important part, of it, but the behavior change is the important part. So now I'm more likely to pay attention to that monitor than I am to just pay attention to the odometer that says, oh, it's 3,000 miles later, go change the oil, right? So it's a behavior change that's really what's driving the change. It's not a technology change per se. Yeah, boy, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> Because this is important because I agree. Not only do I agree with everything you say, I see it all the time. I've yeah. seen it for the last couple of years. But to your point, as an industry, the oil and gas industry has always done planned maintenance. Yep. And now we have the ability to do predictive maintenance. Right. The airline industry has been doing it since the 60s. Right. But to the same time, I'm seeing a lot of leaders, and, and maybe not today in this lockdown environment, but before lockdown environment, I've seen a lot of leaders kind of be resistant to planned maintenance because for the entire career – I mean, resistant to predictive maintenance because right, for their right. entire career, they did plan maintenance. Literally, to your point, it's a behavior that needs to change. Right. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity, right? With incredible crises, with incredible change in the way we have to work or forced changes in the way we have to work, it's an incredible opportunity for us to look at the things that we're doing and try to decide you know, when and where we want to make changes, right? So just an example, right? You know, let's just say we go out and we have to take samples at a particular sample station two or three times a day, right? And that's the way we've always done it. That's what we've always done. Or let's say that every six months, you know, we inspect the bearings on this particular pump. And every six months, you know, we've got to send somebody out in the field to look at those bearings, to put a vibration monitor on the bearings, to put a temperature sensor on the bearings. And now we can't physically do that, right? We can't actually send a technician out there to check those bearings, to safely be in the field or safely be in that plant because we can only have three people on site at a time and they can't physically do everything, right? So now we're forced to decide, okay, well, why were we actually checking those bearings, right? What were we actually doing? What value was that adding to our overall operability or our overall profitability? Right. And so we're being forced to kind of make those decisions right now. And what's cool is the tools that we have can actually inform us and help us make those decisions a little bit better. Right. Now we're being maybe forced a little bit to try and use those tools. Maybe it was where before it didn't really matter. Right. So I loved your analogy and your thought about planned maintenance versus predictive maintenance in the airline industry. And we're being pushed in that direction for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's, better for everybody. Even in a non-pandemic, you're rolling trucks less. You're not waking people up at four in the morning. It's less chance of somebody getting hurt. You're increasing uptime and it's just good all the way around. 
Now, we were supposed to be talking about remote connectivity today. <laughs> so somehow I'm going to try to pull this back to yep, that sure. because everybody's working at home. There's a lot of companies, especially in the oil field, that their core business was never designed around having people working remotely. Right. What's some of the problems companies have run into since they were forced to actually have an entire workforce go virtual? So one of the things I think that is one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge is just the physical amount of people that we can have on site at a time, right? And then the result of that is that person or persons, right? The few people that are on site at a time, they have an incredibly higher level of accountability or higher level of responsibility for the plant, right? So you can't have a control room full of people anymore, right? You can't have a maintenance shed or a maintenance staff just sitting, right, and waiting for something to happen in a room or in sort of, you know, they can't even eat together, right? I mean, you, you have to have some physical separation to prevent, you know, transmission of the virus and, and to ensure or try to minimize the risk and maximize the safety of, of employees, right? And again, you got to remember, like, these employees that we're talking about, these people that we're talking about, you can't just go and hire somebody and replace them, right? We're talking about people that have, in many cases, decades of experience in how to run these plants. This is not like going and getting your driver's license and then driving a car, right? These are incredibly complex machines, incredibly complex systems. And the people that run these systems are very unique. They're highly qualified and they're very rare, <laughs> right? So we can't afford, right, for these people to get sick and not be able to operate these plants, or we can't afford for all of them to get sick and not be able to operate these plants. So to me, that's one of the biggest challenges is how do we keep people safe while also balancing the need to keep the minimum number of people in the plant at a time? And also saying not, now that person has a whole lot more responsibility because they may not be able to answer all the questions because somebody, you know, maybe their coworker that was really strong in one area isn't available to ask that question to right, right next to them, right? They're not physically present. So what do we do, right? We have to use technologies that allow us to be there without being there. We have to use technologies like we talked about earlier. We have a technology or a product called Remote Insights, and I talked about it as you know, kind of a FaceTime for the industrial world, right? Like a little bit amped up type of a product that allows customers to share not only with each other, but with ABB in real time so that we can provide that feedback. We can provide that expertise in the absence of having those people readily available on site like they normally would be in a pre-COVID or a non-COVID type world. You know, Chris, you made me think of something. I've been in a lot of control rooms and a lot of petrochemicals and refineries. Yep. I've never even thought about this. When they build a control room, do they build in the ability to remote in in the, you know, a cyber secure way so that in case something happens like what's going on right now, that people that operate the plant can remote in and still do their work? Yeah. So, I mean, it's very rare and I personally haven't seen, and so I, I can't speak for everybody at ABB, of course, but I personally haven't seen a situation where someone could remote in to an operational site and actually make changes. Now, certainly there are situations, and, and again, you know, our control systems, the software that we provide, the connectivity that we provide, we can allow people to see what's happening, right? So we can visualize, we can bring that data outside the plant and allow people to 
understand and visualize and see what's happening at the plant, but to actually make changes, right? To actually change set points, to change control, to change the operation remotely is something that the industry as a whole has been very, very resistant to. And it's not widely practiced in my experience, my experience. No, it makes total sense, right? Because if you have a way for your employee to remote in, then that's a way for a bad guy to remote in. What you don't ever want is a bad guy to get control of a refinery, ever. The last thing you want is somebody, some bad actor, somebody that is unauthorized to take control of your HF Alki plant, right? I mean, that's not what you want to have happen. And, you know, again, an interesting anecdotal story, right? So customer was working on, or they had invited a vendor into their plant, not ABB, a different vendor, right, into their plant. And what unbeknownst to the customer, the vendor had installed some software onto their, I think at this time, it was some piece of rotating equipment. So I don't remember if it was a compressor or a pump or I don't remember the exact piece of equipment, but I do remember it was a rotating piece of equipment. They installed the ability to remote access that piece of equipment over a 4G connection, right? So something that bypassed the entire control system, right? Bypassed all the security layers in the OT system that was already set up there, right? And the customer didn't know this, right? Customer didn't understand that this was the case, right? They just thought that they were sending data out. They didn't understand that control was coming back in. So this particular vendor had this great idea of using this particular asset as a sales demo or in a sales demo, right? And so they would bring up, they'd fire up a laptop, they'd connect to this asset and show how easy it was to connect to it. And then they'd start making changes to it. (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) Right? So they start making changes to this thing. And the customer, right? The end user of this, the power plant in this case, all of a sudden the plant would go down. And they'd be looking around like, what just happened? We had no alarms. We had no warning for this. This piece of equipment just went down and took the whole plant down. So they search around, they don't find anything wrong, they start it back up, you know, and the salesperson's just going along, they go out for another sales demo <laughs> and they shut it down again, say, look what we can do. And the plant shuts down again, right? <laughs> They're like, what's going on, right? So you've got these one-off incidents that aren't predictable, that are happening just, you know, ad hoc. And it took them a while. It took this end user, this customer a while to figure out that, oh my gosh, you know, there is another path to this piece of equipment. And it's causing us to shut down, you know, ad hoc and not predictably. And so, again, in that particular case, no one was hurt, thankfully. No one was hurt. There were no safety issues. It was just a nuisance shutdown. And it was a financial loss, of course, for the company. But it wasn't a risk to health and safety of, you know, the community, the employees, and everyone surrounding the plant. But it was an example, right, of what can happen when you don't have the proper security in place and operating one of these plants. So, geez. So, number one, you never want a bad guy to get into a plant. But number two <laughs> would probably be you don't want a salesperson yeah, right. to, <laughs> to get into operating your plant. your plant remotely. Yes, that would be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, well, thank goodness nobody was hurt because the potential for somebody getting hurt was enormous, yeah. just depending on what that piece of equipment was. Yep. Golly. And so that's the challenge, right? Because, you know, remote operations right? Everybody talks about remote operations. And today, I think when we talk in the industry, we have a level of comfort with remote monitoring, right? And again, that's something we do provide as a company, right? And we're seeing more and more interest in that, right? People wanting to understand what's happening at the plant, 
from a remote location. And we can do that safely. We can do that securely, right? But that's one way transmission of data. That's one way transmission of information. There's no information going back into the plant, right? Now, when you start to get into, you know, remote control, remote connectivity, that's a whole nother animal, right? And we have to be really, really careful that what we're doing, we're doing securely, we're doing safely. And again, you know, we want to protect the people at the plant and the communities that surround that plant. So, and of course, the assets that are there, right? But most importantly, the people in the plant and the people in the community. So let me flip this question around yep. the other way. So, you know, we're in this COVID-19 lockdown. You don't have remote inputs into the plant because it doesn't make sense from a security point of view. Yeah, Companies are having to work extremely, extremely lean crews because of social distancing, you know, where does technology help with all that? I mean, we've talked about a couple of things, but but where else can technology help with that? Yeah. So again, yeah, we've talked about some of the things Uh, we've talked about remote insights, right? The ability to answer questions remotely in an augmented reality or AR type environment. So that's a big, a big opportunity. One of the other things that's really exciting and engaging is that, you know, as a company, we have something called collaborative operations, right? And what it does is it allows us as a company, as ABB, to sit alongside our customers and provide insights, provide service, provide support, but not have to be sitting in the plant. So they may have, you know, one person's physically sitting in the plant operating the units, but then they've got at ABB another two or three sets of eyes on that plant, right? So it's not just one person that's having to look at, you know, maybe 10 or 15 different HMIs, right? To understand what's going on in the plant, but they've got a set of eyes and a set of ears at ABB in our collaborative operations centers that can also provide that service to them, right? And can say, hey, you know what? We noticed something, right? Can give a quick phone call and say, hey, we noticed something. You may want to check this out. Or, hey, you know what? Yeah, we see that that's happening. We've seen that before because we've got another other, you know, three other plants that kind of look like that. We don't see that that's a big issue, right? So we can help them manage, we can help our customers manage the risk by doing it remotely, right? By providing another set of eyes, by providing another set of basically human beings to help supervise, monitor, and and provide insights on that plan. See, that's incredible. I didn't even know y'all did that, but that makes so much sense to have that type of domain expertise remotely yep. looking. And to your point, just another set of eyes. Yeah. And we're not talking about this. This is not, <laughs> I don't want to say that we've got some, you know, artificial intelligence back here. That's like telling, you know, and, you know, these are just other human beings that have similar domain knowledge, but now we can apply that domain knowledge across multiple sites without having to actually physically be there, right? Because again, you know as well as I do, right? The operating a plant, operating any sort of refining, petrochemical, any sort of plant like that, even a, a power plant, is moments or extremely long times of boredom, right? Where nothing happens, followed by extreme moments of <laughs> sheer terror, right? Or excitement, like something happens and you have to address it, right? And so it's like you go from this baseline of very little going on to like a spike, right? And that's just kind of how this works. You want to have that baseline all the time, right? We all want to operate in a mode where things are safe and things are steady state. And we all want stock markets that go up, you know, 10% a year or 7% a year. We don't want these fluctuations that 
you know, go plus 7% one day, minus 30% next day, plus 5% the next day. We don't want to see that. We want steadiness. We want normalcy. We want predictability, right? And that's 95% or 99% of the time what you see in a plant, right? Is this steady state predictable operation. It's the times when those things go wrong, a valve fails, right? Things that you're not planning on happening, right? A valve fails, you lose feed suction on your feed pump, you know, a fired heater, you lose gas to the fired heater and the flames go out, right? There's the burners go out. There's all kinds of these upset situations that can be just extreme moments of adrenaline and just extreme moments of I need to do something now, right? And so again, the more eyes you can have on this, the more people that can help manage that situation, right? The more effective we can resolve it and then go back to the situation which we'd like to be at, which is predictable, stable, known operations. Chris, man, this has been so cool. Unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I absolutely want to get you back on the show. And we're actually launching a downstream show in about two months. Okay. I think you'd be a great fit for there. But man, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have a time limit. This is the point where we do product reviews. We actually do not have a product review for this show, but if you have some type of geeky, techie product, send it to me. Okay. <laughs> You know the deal. Well, actually, Chris, I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm talking sorry. to. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. But actually, Chris, maybe I am talking to you. If you have a side gig and you have geeky products that you're trying to sell, send it to me. I'll review it. But audience, this is the point where you know if you have something that's really cool, send it to me. You know the drill. If I think it's great, I'll tell you it's great and how we use it. And if I don't think it's great, I'll say that too. And then Street Team, you've heard me talk about this before. This is our all-volunteer group. It's really cool. You get swag. You get to join us as our part of our press team once the world opens back up and there's events for us to actually go to. So just go to Facebook and look under OGG and Street Team and find us and go join. We ask you for an hour's worth of work a week, but if you can't do it, that's cool. We know life gets in the way. And then back to our sponsor, Nutanix. You know They enable IT teams to build and operate highly automated private and hybrid clouds. Plus, they understand the business of oil and gas, and they're doing something really cool for our audience. Chris, you can actually enter this to win as well, but they're giving away these cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speakers for our listeners. So just go to the show notes, click on the link, enter your information. We give one away a week. If you want to try to write it down, it's Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast, but it's just easier to go to the show notes to click on the link. And then while you're there... Check out the website, oilandgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We'll let you know some of the cool stuff we're doing. Promise never to spam you. And then finally, go join our LinkedIn group. Tim and Alex, our marketing people, have blown that thing up. I think we're pretty close to 40,000 followers on the LinkedIn group. So just go to LinkedIn, look for OGG, and you'll find us. Chris, this has been incredible. I've enjoyed talking to you. I've learned a lot. And it just, it's really cool. You can tell you have a passion for what you do and it comes across on the microphone. We are definitely going to get you back on one of the other shows. Well, thanks so much. You know, again, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the opportunity to share and thanks for the opportunity for the conversation. So really appreciate it. Yeah, it was really good. And then Chris, if people want to learn more about you personally, where should they go? Yeah, best place to learn more about me is just to look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Naunheimer. Last name's a little bit complicated, but it sounds That's like okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll put links in the show notes for both that too. So if people, if y'all want to check out ABB or if you want to check out Chris, the links will be in the show notes is there as well. Dude, this has been awesome, but we got to get out of here. So we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hi, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously we are in... Uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. 
we have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So we just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.